folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode 224. Glad you could join us. We got some good news this week, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarai Zell. Now, when you say good news, do you mean good news is in it's a good discussion point or that it's good news? Because probably a good discussion point. The the, the okay, good or good bad discussion. is questionable. Okay. All right, because that's the thing. Like you started off with, we got good news this week, and I'm like, I don't know. All right. So, um, I am Soraya Zell. I am back this week, um, and uh, I am a part of the Biomass crew here uh, for some reason, because as usual, of course, I don't play games. Um, that's that's not true. I, I play a bit of Heroes of the Storm. Uh, I occasionally dabble in uh, World of Warcraft, particularly since it's around the, the, the new expansion time and, and there are new things to do. Um, and, uh, yeah. It. He has to clear his uh, his name from all the crap I, I was spewing last week. And the Pixel 2 XL sucks. Let's just be clear. Let's, <laughs> I just want my opinion to be out there. Let's be clear. All right. Uh, On we go. Cake. Good stuff. Bate, you're up, man. Hey, everybody. What's up? My name is Bate. I'm a genuine certified Florida man, and uh, I play video games. What are you playing lately? Um, let's see, what have been a lot of Rainbow Six Siege, um, and then I've been kind of bouncing back and forth, um, with, uh, Sleeping Dogs again, getting that, uh, uh, just doing all the side stuff in that. Although, I tell you, I haven't had a lot of time to really do much of anything other than, uh, homework, which has been kind of annoying, but I guess that's how it be sometimes. Have you tried the Battlefield Five open beta yet? I totally forgot about it. I was actually gone over the weekend, and I realized that it was still going on. Uh, it ends on uh, the 11th, uh, for those of you wondering. So I am downloading it right now. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit, but uh, yeah, good stuff. All right, Jay, you are up. Hey, guys, this is Jason, and I'm also one of the co-hosts here on Biomast, and I play some games. Uh, and as they say, all right, all right, all right. Looks like we got some neckbeards on the field. All right, and Livy. Hello, I'm Livy, and uh, I play some games too. The one uh, Jay is referring to, and unfortunately, Battlefield today, first and last time. <laughs> yeah, there's a game for everyone, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about Battlefield in a second, but uh, I am Pokey. I help host the show here, and I do the YouTube stuff with Livy, and uh, yeah, I do a lot of the CCP coverage. So let's get started with that. Uh, if you haven't heard already, chances are if you listen to our show, you probably have heard already, but CCP Games has been acquired and purchased by a Korean company called Pearl Abyss. So if you weren't aware, CCP has been owned for quite some time uh, by three major investors. They own about 90% of the stock in the company, and those investors have decided to sell their shares to Pearl Abyss. And if you aren't sure what Pearl Abyss is, they are the creators of a game that we have actually talked about in the past, and Zell has actually played a bit. Yeah, I've played a fair bit of it. Yeah, Black Desert Online is the game that they are kind of known for. Um, so, obviously, this is a bit of a stirrup. Uh, people are often scared when acquisitions happen, as you know, it's perfectly reasonable to be. And kind of the big point of uh, contention here, however, is the fact that thirty dollars fishing costumes. <laughs> yes, Pearl Abyss is known uh, for producing games, particularly Black Desert, Black, Black Desert Online, with pay-to-win mechanics. Um, because they are a Korean company, their primary audience is the Korean and Asian market, 
and they love the pay to win over there. That's just kind of part of their culture. They're totally cool with it. You see a lot of games with uh, Asian versions having pay to win, like Destiny 2 is one of them. They have a special version for uh, uh, for China, actually, that is pay to win mechanics. But people are very concerned because they are obviously very well invested in a lot of CCP products, particularly EVE Online. And a lot of people are looking forward to Project Nova, the FPS game that they are producing. And they are very concerned that a lot of those pay to win mechanics that Pearl Abyss is known for is going to find their way into, you know, some of the games that people really like to play. So that's kind of been the main controversy. And it's probably safe to say that the EVE community has lost their ever-loving collective shit over this. Oh like my gosh, is, Reddit is, it is amazing insane. right now. And amusing. Sorry, it is amusing. I was in the Reddit world that day. Who the means? Yeah, so there was an AMA. Um, where players were asking questions uh, in the community team at CCP, mainly Guard and CCP Falcon were answering questions. And whoa, some of the questions out there were interesting, to say the least. Like people saying that they wouldn't play EVE if the logo for Pearl Abyss appeared anywhere in the game or the startup screen or anything like okay. that. Okay. Yeah, apparently that is absolutely critical to your desire to play the game. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of controversy about this. I kind of wanted to. I, I don't play much Eve, and what Eve I do play is very, uh, very, very, very casual. Very, casual. very um, mining, he's saying. Very much mining. Yeah, I, I, it's like you know, I I have like Netflix going, and I'll just have like my my mining ship kind of buzzing in the corner because why not? Um, but I know that Bait plays quite a bit of Eve. What's your take on this, Bait? Uh, I think. Uh... The, the EVE community is getting worked up about something that they don't really need to get worked up um, about. Let's keep in mind, though, that Pearl Abyss, you know, straight up the CEO, I think Jung Robin is his name, uh, if I'm remembering my article correctly, um, which you can find on the website, um, said that they, uh, that Pearl Abyss is, is basically going to let CCP operate, you know, the way that they have been operating for the past, what, 15 years or something like that? So they're not going to restructure the company or anything. Everybody's going to, you know, remain where they are doing what they're doing. So it really shouldn't be all that different. Um, and, I mean, the the sale or whatever doesn't finalize until, I think, uh, October 12th. So it's not that big a deal, guys. It really isn't. Nobody cares. There's not going to be any big pay-to-win things. I mean, Pearl Abyss even acknowledged, I think, in an interview with VentureBeat um, that the CEO did, that there are, as Pokey was saying, that there are two different monetization markets. You know, there's the East and then there's the West. And the East, like we said, tends to be more accepting of of pay to win and and the west obviously not so much uh, i think ccp Ritati was saying that um fair and balanced were his words so as far as monetization goes as far as eve becoming uh fucking eve space desert online or whatever you're not going to get a 30 dollar skin that is going to you know buff your buff the stats of your kestrel or something so uh, people are blowing this out of proportion but Eve is dead. Well, I, I think there's 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 some some exaggeration, and I actually like Black Desert Online. I enjoyed playing it. Um, 
it got really grindy at a certain point. And one of the things that I discovered about Black Desert is that their um, return to play after you've not played advantage is so strong that it's actually like worth it to not play long enough to to get it. They literally like double everything that you get for like 30 days after you haven't played for three months. So your best way to play the game is to just not play it for a while and then come back. And then I just never came back. But um, it is fun. Um, but I, like, I don't think you're going to see anything immediately. And I don't think there's all, I, I, I don't even think there's like, you know, a, a secret six month plan to, to, to drop the hammer after the acquisition. But the, the biggest issue that I see is that at, at, at the end of the day, you have, you're going to have one owner that is a game company and, and, and knows what options game companies have. And right now they may be perfectly suited to, to sit back, let Eve do its thing. You know, I'm not sure where Eve's sitting right now in terms of the successful, not successful line, but Eve is a game that comes and goes. CCP is a company, is a, is a, is a operation that, that succeeds for a while and then fails for a while and succeeds for a while and then fails for a while. Um, and the biggest thing is, is when that failure happens, when that, that, you know, decrease comes, the business owners are going to start saying, well, hey, you need to do things to make this go- this problem go away, you know? So I guess I don't see anything in the immediate term, but there's a lot of reasons to be concerned in the, in the future term. And I think that the other thing is that um, I've seen a lot of acquisitions from a, a lot of companies and uh the the number one thing well when a company gets acquired uh one of two things is said immediately on day one is either uh we're shutting everything down immediately or in the next you know two months because we just wanted to hire the people or the other way is we promise nothing will change and that's always a lie so it's it's straight out of the acquisition playbook is all i'm saying it doesn't mean anything they can say whatever they want but if they want to change something down the road, they'll change something. It was actually kind of interesting uh, when CCP Rattati jumped into the Discord to kind of quell people's, uh, you know, shrieking. Um, he basically was talking about how uh, they've talked back and forth quite a bit on this, and that um, kind of the issue that both companies were facing is that, you know, Eve has launched in Asian countries, and actually the style of monetization that works quite well for their free to free to play model in the West doesn't do well in in the Asian countries. They don't they don't seem to care for kind of the cosmetic only sort of deal. It, it's not working so well. So Eve is not doing so well in Asia, and similarly, um, Black Desert Online, while very popular in Korea and other Asian countries gets like a solid like six out of ten on steam like it's it's not it's it's very mediocre um reviews um in uh, in the west and so a large part of the discussion between them acquiring ccp is that black desert or sorry that pearl abyss wanted to kind of pull in ccp because they want to be able to produce mmos that appeal to western audiences but they aren't really sure on the best way to set up a free-to-play monetization model that's going to appeal really well and similarly they feel that by taking eve online and kind of giving ccp some of their practices that worked well in asia to kind of monetize you know eve online and and other uh, properties 
to kind of help them make more money as well. So, so what you're the... saying is that um, although those of us on Tranquility are probably fine, everyone on, on Serenity is screwed. They've well, well, Serenity's the Chinese server, right? Yeah, so that's Serenity's the one that's going to be shut down. I think NetEase is taking that one. Well, now it's still going to be called Serenity when they bring it back up under the new owners, right? Right. You would assume, but yeah. Um, yeah so you know, it, it, so my my indication is if they're going to pay to win up some Eve, they're going to pay to win up Serenity, trying to appeal to but, that market. But they like that, so I mean that I that mean, would probably be a good thing for those consumers, and it, it won't have an effect on. The Western audience, which is good, and I think in, in I think Jadik might have seen it. Um, some data mining already in the Eve side for Serenity, some monetization stuff like you know you can purchase ISK directly from another player, you know like RMT stuff that they're just going to you know meter but allow um, for specifically Serenity, not for Tranquility, but just for the Chinese server, um, and that could be part of some of the stuff they're kind of experimenting with uh, to push more of those mechanics to, you know, the Asian market, because like it, it doesn't do as well, oddly enough, you know, what we like doesn't do well over there. Um, but I think that they saw, uh, Pearl Abyss saw that there was an opportunity here where CCP, which is, you know, made a, a really interesting free to play model that is actually quite appealing. It, it's, it's simple in its execution, but, but pretty smart in that's appealing to, you know, the Western audiences. I think they saw that and they're like, you know, They've got something right going on there and trying to kind of use the team at CCP to help produce, you know, additional MMOs and other games in the future. Um, I, I think that that for me, I see that as we know that EVE is successful with a Western style monetization. We purchased CCP because we want to learn about that monetization. It wouldn't make sense for them to go. We know it works, but we're going to actually push the shit that we know doesn't work in the West into the Western version of the game. And it doesn't make sense to me. You know what I'm saying? I'm really interested to see if, uh, you know, this is all resting on the big, if Pearl Abyssal uh, does start to push uh, some of that more Eastern monetization onto Serenity, how, uh, like, what the return of that is going to be. Because. A lot of the Chinese players have left Serenity and moved over to Tranquility. I think we talked about this maybe about a month and a half ago, two months ago, um, for you know various uh, uh, space politic reasons. Uh, a good number of the Chinese uh, players, like I said, migrated over to to Tranquility. So. Um, I wonder, you know, two things, you know, one, how populated is Serenity on a day to day basis? And if Pearl Abyssal does put this, this monetization, yeah, Pearl Abyssal, sorry, uh, you're killing me. I'm sorry. uh, Pearl Abyssal, I'm thinking of, uh, fucking Eve expansions now. Um, if Pearl Abyss does put this monetization into the Chinese side of Eve, you know, like I said, what the return's going to be like and how successful it's going to be. Well, and I think a lot of the issues that we're having also with the Chinese version of the game is that um, I forget who was publishing it before, but they weren't pushing out the new updates. So the Chinese players were hearing about all these new updates that Tranquility was getting and Serenity wasn't getting. And they're like, well, hell, I mean, I do the same thing. I'd go to the version that's got the new stuff, not just stick with the old. So, I mean, I think 
maybe some of the reason why that shift from the old publisher to NetEase was because CCP was seeing like, hey, we've got tons of Chinese players coming over because you guys are not, you know, updating the game with our new stuff. You know, this isn't working out. So I, you're right, Ben. I'm, re- I'm very curious to see with the new publisher and some new monetization practices, if that's going to, you know, pull Chinese players back into Serenity or if they're just going to stick with Tranquility and we'll see, you know, how the population looks. It'll be interesting to see. But I do want to clarify that Rattati was kind of talking about it and he's like, you know, there is some concern like, oh, they're going to cancel Nova, Project Nova, it's going to be done. You know, they're just going to get rid of it. And he's like, no, it's already been discussed. It is, they are full steam ahead. You know, the game is still going to be absolutely coming out, you know, later this year. So if you were concerned about Project Nova and this acquisition, it's not going to be a problem. Um, the game is still on track for being released. So, you know, obviously, like, like Zell said. But, but on track for when? This year. For when? This Nova, year. Nova when? Nova when? It's September. And Zell, we've got E-Vegas coming up in October. Like, when do you think uh-huh. it would be a good time to talk uh-huh. about it, Zell? What would you sure. think? Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. A month away. <laughs> it's getting pretty close here. October 19th, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. A month and 10 days. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're getting close. Um, like we said before, Livy and I will, will be at E-Vegas to, you know, report on that and, and hopefully get some, some interesting details, but uh, should be good stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm not too concerned about this acquisition, to be fair. Like Zell said, it is common for companies after a purchase to come in and say, don't worry, nothing is changing, which is what they have said here. Um, time will tell, but for me, I'm too damn busy to be worried about shit before it happens. So I'm not too concerned about it until stuff that's bad actually happens if if and when it happens um so you know keep calm i don't think it's gonna be too much of an issue but uh, just want to kind of cover that okay so moving along i did have one quick thing about monster hunter world uh the autumn event is coming up on september 21st and running until october 4th this is kind of in the same vein as the last two events there's kind of a new unique armor set you can get for your hunter and palico Um, There's a few extra DLC things you can buy if you like for your handler and all of the previous events since the launch of the game will be available. So if you miss something that was like a timed event, you can go in there, you can get it. Um, It's kind of a good way to get caught up if you're coming into the game a little bit later. So that's uh, coming out for, I, I know for the Xbox and PS4 version, I'm not sure... I think the event is happening for the PC version as well, but they are actually quite a bit behind on the release schedule. It seems like the PC version did not launch with all of the, the content that the console versions already had out. They're still kind of slowly releasing that on the PC version. So you're not going to have as many events available on the PC version of the game, but uh, you will still be able to catch up if you miss some of the early ones. All right, so now we go into the big chunk that... Uh, me, Jay, and Libby can probably talk about for way too long, but uh, we have been playing the new expansion for Destiny 2, the Forsaken expansion, and uh, just kind of want to talk about our thoughts on it and in kind of how we're feeling about it and that sort of thing. So I think uh, we got, they were all through the main story now. I know that we kind of got Jay through it um, last night and just kind of wanted to open it up to the floor to kind of get your guys' thoughts. I kind of wanted to structure it kind of piece by piece. So Let's start off with kind of the story and kind of the, you know, the the lore and the story and that kind of content. What do you guys think of Forsaken in comparison to everything else we've seen in the Destiny franchise so far? Is this supposed to be spoiler or non-spoiler? It is non-spoiler, so 
not, not no details, but you can uh, talk about the quality and the you know amount and that sort of thing. Okay, I'll, I guess I'll start this one. Uh, uh, broad broad category, they have uh, really got a lot going on in terms of the story. The story itself, the main campaign, uh, we're hunting down Aldrin Solve and the Barons, is outstanding. Like there's a there's a really uh, a really well done use of cutscenes in a way that they haven't done in a long time. Uh, they're they're really well done, you know, very poignant uh, and often extremely well voice acted and kind of sculpted out into the story. And there are a ton of hooks into missions. Uh, all the way from the, the, the bad guy's dialogue to things you find around the mission that relate to the whole tap story tapestry. Um, there, there, are, there are a lot of things out there to collect in terms of scannable items or other, or, you know, when you pick up triumphs or challenges and it gives you these lore pieces like, a, you know, huge shout out for bringing the collect, collections and triumphs t- tab in. So everything, like all the lore is now baked into the game like you see in a lot of other kind of Elder Scrolls S type games, things like that. But it's really good. So the story itself, very, very well done. Um, it definitely has a lot of echoes to the some new classic Old West revenge movies. Very much the vibe they were going to. But with a lot of like J.R.R. Tolkien overlaid on top of it is, is the best way I could describe it. Um, Aldrin Sov, really good bad guy. Really good bad, good, bad guy. Very well voice acted, by the way. And that, uh, you know, so overall, I would give them like a 9 out of 10 in terms of where they're at with lore and story and things like that. And, and the more I've played things around, not just the main campaign, there is absolutely no lack of backstory and, and interesting things going on in terms of world building. Gambit has a massive amount of things involved in terms of story that's it's not it's it's not quite in the background but it runs parallel uh, and it's definitely setting up a lot of things for like the next big DLC they're gonna have so overall uh, I would give them the classic nine out of ten for a story and lore very accessible it's there if you want it it doesn't you know kind of the way of some uh, you know, like Korean or Japanese RPGs where there's like a 17-minute cutscene in between a five-minute fight. There's none of that crap. Uh, so I, I think they did a really good job with it. And, and the, the world-building they've done visually from a gameplay standpoint and then from the, the lore and the um, kind of the, the in-game story piece, really well done. Pro- probably the best I've seen Bungie do yet. And that's my hot take. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, like you said, this isn't like some Japanese RPG like Final Fantasy fourteen, where you're going to have like hours of story you can work through. Because I mean, like for some people, that's great. For a lot of people, it's not. Um, it's it's definitely not that. But in terms of comparison for how much story they've packed into this compared to other expansions, um, it's definitely the most and probably the highest quality that I've seen uh, in this franchise so far. Like you said, it's got that really kind of cool Western vibe. You're kind of hunting down the gang to go take out the, the gang leader. Um, very enjoyable. I, I think that putting the effectively what are like the new version of the Grimoire cards in game, huge difference in terms of engagement because it's really cool when it pops up on the screen. Um, like, hey, you got this card, you know, 
And when you go into your menu, it's kind of got like an indicator, like, hey, remember you got some new lore stuff you can look at. And you can go in through there and kind of flip through the cards and you can read through it. And it's really interesting stuff. And I mean, that's that's kind of the, the frustration I've always had with Destiny is that the, the lore in the background is really solid. Like the Book of Sorrow stuff is fantastic. You would never know it existed in the game because it just it was never mentioned. It was never really talked about or shown in game. You had to look elsewhere to find it. They've taken a lot of that, put it back into the actual client itself, and it makes a huge difference. I mean, it, it seems like a small difference, but it really is much easier to take the time to kind of, hey, I'm going to pull up this lore card, and you can literally read stuff while you're loading into like a Crucible match or something. You can, you know, the, the 30 seconds you've got, you can pop up in your menu and start reading some stuff and, and get a little bit of tidbits of lore. And you can really tell that they are pushing really deep on a lot of the stuff to kind of go down certain plot threads um, in future expansions. And it it's made me much more excited about where they're going to take the story in the future. And like Jay said, with especially Gambit, some of the stuff the Drifter says, we can talk about that in a bit, but some of the stuff he says, you're like, oh, yeah, they're they're definitely going down a certain direction with this. And I'm, I'm much more excited about the story because of it. So, yeah, I think overall it's probably probably the best offering that they've had um, in terms of story and lore content in the Destiny franchise so far. So 9 out of 10 is probably a pretty fair assessment. Um, it's definitely the best they've had, so that's that's good. Um, next thing that was kind of a big is that they added the uh, new subclass path. So, you know, each, you've got your, your, your Titan, your Warlock, and your Hunter, and they each had uh, three subclasses and then two paths in each of the subclasses. They've added a new path for every single subclass for basically all nine of those different kind of, you know, subclasses. And uh, they're really interesting. I, I mean, I, I play Hunter. Um, you only have access to one of them and you get access to it pretty quickly in the story, but then you're kind of locked out of it until you beat the main, main campaign and level up a bit, level up a bit. And that second subclass path gets unlocked, you know, later into the end game. So you're kind of, you only get one in the beginning and, I gotta say, um, the one I picked, I initially was really disappointed with. I, I should have read it more carefully, and I, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I was kind of feeling down about it, but I was playing with it today in Crucible. I, I like it a lot more. It's the uh, Way of the Wraith, which is kind of the Void Hunter subclass path. Uh, it's growing on me. It's growing on me. But uh, just kind of looking at them overall, they're really kind of cool. Like, the, the way that they're kind of structuring them to kind of have this... I almost want to compare it to like a more traditional like MMO where you've got a series of skills and you're kind of meant to use the skills in a certain way in a certain order because they kind of create this like cyclical, you know, self-fueling cycle of going around and around. Like, you know, you use a grenade and that recharges your melee and you use your melee and that like recharges your super and you use your super and you get grenade energy back. And you kind of get into this like, you know, rotation you're doing. And you're seeing a lot of that in many of the new paths they've unlocked. And I, I really do like that. I think it kind of gives a little more identity to each of the subclass paths. Whereas before it was like, they had a theme and some of them kind of had that, but not all of them. And I feel like they've done a much better job of kind of structuring these in a very interesting and kind of cool way. Um, you know, and I'm looking forward to like the, the Gunslinger one next for my, my Hunter. I'm going to get that one next. It's got some really cool stuff you can do with it. It kind of gets you thinking about different exotics, different ways you can, you know, combine those exotics with certain weapons and certain subclass paths. And it, it's kind of made that that uh, theory crafting a little more interesting, I think, in the long run. And I'm very excited for that. Uh, it does kind of suck that you have to, you know, wait and grind a bit to get the next one. But uh, I'm, I'm making the one that I got work 
but overall I'm very pleased with some of the work they've done with the subclass paths. But uh, what do you guys think? Well, I think it's for the best because like you were saying today in Crucible, you had to change your entire play style. And I don't know, Jay, this is a question for you because I'm going to say no because you play Warlock, but are you changing your style to accommodate your new branch? Um, kind of. So I, I kind of chose the, uh, the attunement of, of control, uh, which is kind of the chaos reaches the big, uh, like, Kamehameha, like, Death Star laser beam. And, uh, as, and I can tell you, it's a hell of a lot of fun. But kind of to Pokey's point, like, it's the neutral game that I'm interested in in a lot of these. The supers are all, but, you know, generally they, they can be very effective depending on what you're doing. And they, they do make you change what your style and how you employ the supers. So the one that I'm using is is very much a um, a burst DPS kind of feel to it, uh, glass cannon style. I mean, it's literally like a Death Star laser that you just like hose out there for a little while. I got jokingly referred to as like the swipe left and right on the screen to kill everything. Um, and I use an exotic uh, an exotic pair of boots uh, that extend this its duration. So without it, it's actually quite short. So Conceptually, it, it doesn't play necessarily that much different than maybe Nova Bomb, uh, but it's a very focused beam, so it's really good for big enemies, not so much groups of guardians or big big groups of adds, so to speak, unless you have a way of extending the, the beam capability. Um, so there's a lot of hooks into how Voidwalker played, uh, but it, it's the way you employ the... the you know, the setup is different, but the neutral game is what is really different. Uh, so there's no, like, you know, I'd normally play um, the one where you get the Arc Soul Buddy and stuff, which is, that that's like a big help out, that little AI Arc Soul. And I would dro I'd drop a Rift routinely just for that. It had nothing to do with the healing capability uh, because it, it helps you pinpoint enemies and it does all kind of other stuff for you. And, and it was really sort of about how do you chain certain things in your you know in your ability tree it wasn't elaborate and it wasn't all that that in, that incredible frankly uh you got a couple nice perks here and there when you're doing some different things but it wasn't like playstyle defining so to speak uh but the, so the way mine works is your your melee ability you basically get a, effectively a second grenade a fairly fast moving ball lightning that goes out and it's a smaller area of effect but it's it's pretty lethal i mean it will you know, it'll, it'll kill a lot of things, and if it doesn't kill them, it will stun even kind of yellow bars you know, that, and even orange bars. So that's a pretty effective thing. So it extends your, your reach quite a bit uh, if you want it to. The ionic trace, or correction, the, the ionic traces, uh, that basically when you eliminate an enemy through whatever means, whatever, kinetic rifle, ability energy, doesn't matter, about every you know, fifth or sixth one, you'll get like this little lightning arc moving across the ground. It's coming at you. It's not random. Uh, and if you stand in it and you absorb it, you'll get more of your energy and super ability back, um, which is pretty cool. And the last part, you get uh, pulse wave, which when you get critically injured, uh, and it's pretty generous when it when it gives you when you gives you this. And I tend to run a very high high recovery build, so I regenerate real quick. So I'll be running pulse wave quite a bit. And what that does is it, it's a very dramatic increase in your your movement speed, jumping ability, and your reload and weapons handling. 
Like it's it's extremely noticeable. Like if you're sprinting, you take a couple shots and you it kicks in, you see and feel the instant acceleration when pulse wave goes off. And the cool thing is it actually extends that to all your teammates too. So it does change what you're doing. It's definitely more of a run and gun glass cannon style. So the short answer or well the long that's the long answer will be the short answer is it depends. Um I, I think you can make some clear hooks to other things. Like I said, I, I equate the super play to a lot like, you know, Nova Bomb, like old school, like fastball Nova Bomb. Um, the Way of a Thousand Cuts, the, the Gunslinger solar, uh, solar Knife Super is basically a Hunter Nova Bomb, but it does damage on par with like Celestial Nighthawk Golden Gun. So it's, that has the potential to be like the go-to dps machine here here in the near future uh, does that kind of make sense i mean and, and all the supers are very different uh, there's a couple that i've seen that aren't aren't getting stellar reviews uh they're they're fun but they're not they're, you know there's there's a few problems with them in ter- terms of the mechanics but by and large everybody's pretty happy with them and, and um, it's interesting finding how all of the exotics play in with these all of the supers now because they're very different and which I'm sure we're going to touch on some little bit. There are very, very distinct metas right now. There are, there's a PVP pure crucible meta. There's a PVE. I wouldn't say meta because almost all the guns are good. Uh, all the weapons are good. A lot of the super uh, in, in situationally in a team, very, very support focused, very damage focused and a lot of other in between stuff. So there's not a pure meta per se in PVE, but it's much more even out. The, and in Gambit, the combination of uh, player versus player and player versus environment, there is its own distinct meta, uh, which is, is very different from the other two. So overall, I'd say the supers are in a good spot right now. There's probably some things they're going to want to tweak here in, you know, after a while. I really hope they don't change shit for about a month, though. Really get a really good data soak and then figure out what they want to do. That's, so that's, I got to say that's my general thought on it. Yeah, I would agree that you you really got to look at these new supers in a way of what's going to make the most sense for each game mode. Because like, you know, when we were playing Gambit the other night, I was complaining that I really, I didn't feel like that the, you know, the, the, the way of the rate that I was using was, was really effective. And I really struggled getting kills with it in Crucible, in, in the Invasion. And it, it did good damage to like the Primeval Final Boss, but it just, it wasn't, it wasn't working for me for the whole thing. And you, you kind of suggest, just give it a shot in Crucible, see how it goes. Totally different Crucible. Like I, I actually, you know, I was playing and, and Livy and I were kind of playing, and I kind of paused and I looked at her, and I was like, I think I can make this work. Um, and like Livy had mentioned, sometimes you gotta really change your play style. And at first, I was kind of frustrated by this, but I think overall, it's actually probably a good thing that you can't just keep doing the exact same thing you were doing before with the different super. It, it definitely changes the way you play. So like how I would usually play Night Stalkers. I was very aggressive, you know, very stealth, fast, hit him very hard, just, you know, very forward um, forward fighter. With the way of the Wraith, the way this it's set up, it definitely lends itself much more to a slow, methodical, medium to long range game. So I said, okay, I, I got a, a random drop of, of a high level Vigilance Wing. I was like, all right, you know what? I'll, I'll give this a shot in Crucible. And I started kind of doing this just slowly crouch, just kind of take your time, hang back, kind of let them come to you. And it really helps that subclass shine. So, you know, didn't like it so much for PVE, didn't like it so much for Crucible. 
I think it can actually be really potent in, in sorry, I did like it so much in Gambit, but in Crucible it it can be really potent. And I, I gotta get the kind of get a feel for it, but I think it's gonna work out. I think it can be actually really kind of fun to play with. Um, that being said, that's good design though, when they, they go, hey, you kind of gotta make some choices. There might be certain metas that are gonna make more sense. You know, you you may not want to use this subclass at all in this particular activity, but that's good. It, it kind of helps break it, break up the, the routine, helps you try new things out. Um, I've pretty much played Night Stalker like exclusively ever since um, The Taken King came out in Destiny 1. I'm liking the Way of the Wraith, but I, I might actually try the Gunslinger out now with the, the Way of a Thousand Cats coming out. It, it It's made, it's given me an, an avenue to go, hmm, I actually want to try something different because what I have been doing isn't working so well in this new stuff. And that's not a bad thing. It's actually good to kind of bring some variety to the gameplay. And it's made me much more excited for the whole thing as a, in general. What about you, Lily? What did you think? Well, um, I didn't switch uh, my tree. I stayed with the, uh, was it Night, Night Stalker? Night Stalker. Um, and so I don't, I don't know. I didn't like the new tree once I realized it couldn't cloak that's so engraved in my playstyle. Um, but still having the um, tether is helpful. So even if you have, you know, two void hunters, if one has a tether, I, I think it's still important and it's not something to migrate from. Um, so that's kind of why I've just kind of stayed put for now. But yeah, no, I think it's uh, it's good stuff, and I think that what they've done is interesting. I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to kind of unlocking the other ones. I'm looking forward to kind of leveling up some of my alternate uh, classes and trying out some of the new ones they've got. Overall, really solid job. I think they did a great job with the subclasses. And you know, when I first heard about it, I was like, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But really, looking at like like what you're saying, Jed, like the passive game and some of the perks you get and how they all kind of interact with one another. It's really cool stuff, and I think that if they can kind of take this design philosophy and continue that on with future expansions, it's going to be really cool, and I think it's going to be well worth the wait. All right, so quick quick question. What are you guys' thoughts on uh, how random rolls, and more importantly, the new mod system is, is implemented? I'm just, I'm just my, my overall is it's it's a game changer, like the, particularly in, in armor, like the mod system, game changer, ton of ton of options now. But I'm just yeah, kind of curious what you guys for, are, thoughts are. Especially for hunters, I think that's the only way I've been getting my, what is it, recovery and resilience up past one. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it is uh, a game changer, but I'm still getting used to it and, and figuring out how to, how to put what where. So For me, it, it makes every drop of weapon I get exciting um, because... Before it was like, okay, I, I see the name, I've seen the name before, trash it, don't even care. Um, now with the more random roles, it, it isn't as crazy as it was like in Destiny One. Um, it, it's a little, it's a little tuned down. I think it's somewhere in between of like no random roles and kind of all over the place. Um, but it's really nice. You see the drop, you pull it up, it lists the two perks that it's kind of got as its random roll right away, and you can kind of tell is this good or not, and it, it makes kind of that like opening sequence of pulling that weapon up and going like, ooh, that could be cool. Um, it, it, it makes me excited about every drop I get, which is a big difference from, from D2 Vanilla where it was just got, you know, better devils, I know what it is, trash, don't even care. Um, but the armor system, yeah, absolutely. The mod system is kind of a game changer in that because before it was like, it would kind of tweak your stats a little bit. Now it's like, if you want to go down like a 
a really specialized route, it's a significant buff if you really commit to a certain a certain build. And it really kind of makes you think, like, how do I want to tweak this to make it work with the particular build and the exotics and the weapons I've got? And like we were just saying, Jay, with different kinds of activities, you might build entirely different sets of armor with different mods, depending on what you're doing, you know, Crucible, Gambit, PvE, whatever. Um, it, it truly is a game changer, and it really makes it much more interesting and deep and gives you more stuff to work towards and mix and match and kind of theory craft with. And that's that's really what does it for me. What, what do you think, though? Yeah, I'm, I am a, I'm a big fan. So they did bring back a lot of the, the more unique perks from D1, but they've added a bunch more. Uh, and there's varying degrees. I mean, so the, the, the weapon mods, they, they don't have, uh, you can't change your elemental burn anymore, which I kind of like, you know, you're, you're, because what, what that was really doing in D1, like you had like a set of energy weapons that people would use those and just get three of them, keep them leveled up, one for each burn. So I had Uriel's Gift, a, a fairly fairly well thought of, very capable all-around energy auto rifle, but I had it in Solar Void and Arc. Um, well, that that is not, I don't need to do that anymore. Uh, uh, and in fact, it's kind of cool because it makes you play with different weapons, which is I am having a lot more fun with now, uh, as opposed to finding the, the one good non-random roll of, you know, kind of a homogenous weapon that works well with its set of perks and stats. So this is pretty cool. Uh, but you can do a lot of different things with the stats in terms of the mods and the masterwork system. And you can even do things like you can uh, put a mod in it so that it is better against ads, a bit against mini bosses, against boss bosses, you know, all, you know that kind of thing. So there's a lot of cool, you know, kind of cool things. I have not masterworked anything yet. I have not put a whole lot of mods in. I'm really just kind of like trying to go through and collect as many you know, weapons as I can and kind of get a feel for a bunch of different ones just to see how I like them. And then I'll probably go into a mod palooza at some point. The armor ones, though, that's probably the bigger game changer uh, because of all of the different perks and ways the, armors are, the armor is set up. And again, they've done a couple things. When they streamlined it where uh, it's not like your inventory would always be full because you have like 55 solar mods and it would be like, this is only for a hunter's arm this is for a warlock's leg or whatever now it's it can basically go in any slot uh, and they don't really have any that are element specific that i can tell yet they're all it's like you want to do you get you know grenade stuff better you get solar stuff better you get what are not solar but you get grenade melee super or whatever this weapon is better uh in some category or case so you can get and it kind of scales up, too, so you can get one where it's like uh, a hand cannon-specific mod that increases your aim down sight speed, range, and uh, accuracy. And then you can get one that's for all precision weapons, which may include hand cannons, but the bump that you get is maybe a little less. Then you, you, know, then you get one for uh, sidearms and hand cannons, or one for just rifles, one, you know, one for scatter weapons, which includes shotguns, auto rifles, and some other stuff. So there's a lot of different things that you can do in there uh, that interact with how your stuff works, um, which I like a lot. So overall, pretty cool. And, and I like the fact that, again, I can, instead of setting up, I need a void set of armor, I need a solar set of armor, and I need a, uh, an arc set of armor, 
I basically can have, uh, I can set up play style sets of armor, not so much attuned to a given subclass uh, that I can change out as easily as a rifle. So I can have a up close and personal, you know, kind of, you know, a lot of melee and shotgun bumps, you know, in my armor perks and things like that. Or I can have a uh, much more precision based one, something I want to set up just for Gambit. And, I, and there's some things I like doing just for that. It helps me out with, with different ways I do stuff. But overall, pretty good. Uh, and overall, i got to give a shout out. I've been pretty lucky with exotic so far. So I've had two exotic armor pieces drop and I've had two exotic weapons drop. Uh, all four of them have been pretty solid. Uh, the two weapons are excellent. I got the Trinity Ghoul Bow and the uh, Two-Tail Fox Rocket Launcher. Hell of a lot of fun, by the way. That rocket launcher is wicked good. Uh, it's like a near instantaneous lock-on, fires two, two rounds, very, very fast velocity. Uh, first round does void, and it's like a boot cannon suppression field. So if some asshole's in there super, uh, it turns that off immediately. And then the second one is the in the second round that hits them is the solar one that does damage over time. So, aka tailor made to kill invaders in Gambit. <laughs> really nice. <laughs> uh, the two armor pieces are really cool. Uh, you got the uh, the boots I, I mentioned, which basically extends your super, and it also does a couple other passive things in your the new arc tree. And the other one I got is the uh, the chromatic fires, the one that's very Mad Max looking. It's kind of a, a really crazy colored duster with a bunch of crystal, this big, huge crystal like boa that you wear um, that turns everything, gives everything dragonfly basically in your kinetic slot. That's okay. It's it's not it's not a it's not nearly as big of an explosion, but it's noticeable. It's pretty cool. Uh, it looks really good though. So overall, gameplay I, I think it's looking good. So I, I will segue this off and. So, guys, what do you think about Gambit? Well, I don't know. Well, uh, the other team is pretty good, but our team? Our team sucks. Oh, Just kidding. Oh, geez. Just kidding. <laughs> we, had, we had some wins, um, especially when we get the random blueberry. I, I think, um, in, in, in jokes aside, I think that Gambit is probably the maybe competitive crucible aside, but I think in terms of team coordination and strategy i think gambit is way much high, a much higher level than what you're seeing in like a standard crucible match a standard crucible you can kind of just run around and just everyone murders the other team and you cap the points and, and you can be pretty successful doing that with gambit there's definitely a very clear meta forming about how you need to execute things and when you have to do them in the match to be successful and there's quite a bit of a learning curve associated with that but it's it's doable, but overall it makes it really interesting. I think it's it's probably one of the more exciting game modes that I've played in the game. Um, it can be frustrating at times, but at the same time, when you get that like clutch kill at the end and you get this pull ahead victory, extremely exhilarating. Um, I think that when it's good, it's it's really good, um, and when it's bad, it's like ugh, okay, um, what can we try next to do better next time? It's not that like you know mind-crushing failure it's more of a like okay that didn't work let's try something else um, different team comp different weapon comp different strategy there's a lot of moving pieces in it but i think that's what makes it so interesting and, and really exciting i think that's just a like i said like a learning curve that you got to go through to kind of get the hang of it and surprisingly i like it now <laughs> i did i didn't like it in the um what was it the preview data I, I don't know why, but now um, 
I think because it has different components to it, the gathering, the PVE, and trying to not get sniped by the person coming over. Um, it, it's good. I actually rather play that than regular, or the Crucible, but, you know. Yeah, I would, uh, I, I would have to say that I'm, I'm having as much fun playing Gambit as I had any other activity or thing outside of, like, you know, full raid activity, you know, in, in Destiny generally. Hell of a fun game mode, really well balanced. Uh, so kind of like when Poke, what Pokey says, like if in a good, in a good match, 4v4 with both teams that kind of generally know what's going on, it, it is back and forth, you know, all the way. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. And it is, it is, uh, it's one of those where I, w- I don't know that I'd call it kind of the sweaty, tryhardy kind of feel, uh, because I'm having a lot more fun playing it. It is dramatically more fun than Crucible, you know, or Comp, Comp Crucible was for me. One, I'm not, I'm not a, an incredible PvP player, so that's probably part of it. Uh, I can usually do, do my part on a team of six, and that's about where I'm at. Uh, so, the mix of the PVE, the PVP, and there's some like very simple but relatively neat mechanics involved. It's pretty good. Um, it, it's real good. Uh, they did a smart thing. They made the loot real good. Uh, so the weapons that you generally get that are gambit specific are pretty solid. The armor is pretty solid. Um, overall, I, I'm just absolutely having a blast. Now I've already decided that I am going to go hard on all the gambit challenges and, and uh, pursuits so I'm, I'm going to be attacking that pretty hard you know pretty much that'll be my go-to game mode out you know like like i kind of did that with crucible you know last go around still couldn't get redrick's claymore by the way like jesus christ I and mean, i don't know i don't know what the final count was when they ended the season but it was i guarantee it was less than ten thousand people well under ten thousand people got that rifle so i i'm i'm interested interested to see how the the gambit pursuits are going um, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So, uh, overall, pretty solid. Like, pretty, pretty solid. And, and, and no shit, the Drifter is clearly my favorite NPC right now. He is hilarious. Uh, it, it's, his call arts are quite good, is, is uh, what I would say to that. Yeah, I hope we get a little more information about him, or uh, I want to say what Gambit is. We already know what Crucible is, but really, what what is he doing with this whole Gambit thing? Cause, so... Yeah. Ah, so back to the lore piece. If you go check out your the lore, click in your triumphs, look under the lore box, the lore lore section. There's a gambit. Winces. There's like three different major classes. There's um, there's light. There's light and dark. And there's the darkness. Those are kind of the three categories of lore that you can get. Under the darkness, uh, this is a drifter's gambit. Uh, and then there's like 33 different lore tabs, fairly meaty lore tabs that you can collect, get through, or I got like 16 of them so far. Uh, there is a very wickedly cool story going on in the background with Gambit that makes everything he says way more, like you hear it way differently after you read those lore tabs. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's getting his, I mean, one of the three major expansions coming with the season pass is centered around him and Gambit and just, you know, knowing what we know about his past and in some of the stuff you read in the tabs, I'm not going to spoil anything, but some of the stuff that's in there, it's like, Holy crap. Like this is a really huge, important part of what's going on in the destiny universe. And I think that that, you know, 
them taking this game mode and being so good, building so much lore around it, and then continuing to build on top of it is going to be just awesome. I'm very excited for it. Yeah, so there, there are a couple things that people are drawn, that, that you know, everybody's attention is getting drawn to. So um, Sleeper Stimulant, very, very strong uh, in Gambit right now, mostly because the ability, it's a very, it's, it can function as an extremely forgiving sniper rifle because the hitbox on it and the, and the aim assist. Um, and it's also effectively the only thing that can one-shot, body-shot a Guardian, uh, at least that I'm aware of outside of a super. Because as we've, as we've just discovered, particularly for invaders, uh, you know, they get an overshield, they get, you know, true sight, a.k.a. wall hacks, and, you know, all kind of other advantages. That, that is a really tough gunfight to win uh, unless they suck badly. And they can tank a rocket shot. They can tank a lot of heavy weapons. They cannot tank a super or a two-tailed fox, you know, for that matter. So there's a, there's a couple things going on there, but Sleeper is very strong, and a lot of people are freaking out about it, going, ah, nerf this, nerf that. I, it's in the game. Use it. I mean, we found that Fighting Line, which is generally one of the most um, shelved exotics traditionally in the game, uh, I think Pokey can attest to this. There's a lot of use for that, that thing in Gambit. Sturm and Drang is getting a hell of a lot of uh, play right now on YouTube and Reddit. Uh, and that was sort of one of those exotic legendary combos that you got in a quest uh, very early in D1. And, and it's kind of a novel idea of how weapons would interact with each other, which I kind of like the idea, but it never really played off real well. But again, because of the Ace of Spades quest, and you need to be able to kill invaders, invaders have overshields, and blah, blah, blah. Just the way Sturm and Drang work together, it it basically gives you a much, much more capable weapon for killing a an overshielded guardian for lack of a better term and that's getting a lot of play so that's what i'm saying gambit definitely has its own meta you're not going to see i don't think you're going to see a whole lot of people run around the crucible or in comp with this the sleeper because the ammo economy is different there's just there's way more ammo available in gambit which means the sleeper is useful uh, heavy weapons are much more useful in gambit because of the pve component of it uh so i that's one thing that a lot of people are beefing about. I, I do think, so I, we, we were having a lot of frustrations last night about kind of the, um, the overshield or really, you know, the survivability of the invader. I think it's one of those where if we weren't kind of focused on things like the Ace of Spades quest where you have to kill an invader with a hand cannon, and there's a lot of people trying to do it, and that's really hard, by the way, I guess unless you're stalking them and headhunting them like at the spawn point and all this other shit. It, and just trade for trade, like I would just whip out one of my fast-locking rocket launchers or, or even a sword or something. There's all kind of ways to deal with an invader when you're not trying to very specifically do it with a hand cannon at short to medium range. So that's one thing. Um, I, I, I think it's relatively well-balanced, but I do think they've got to figure out, are they really at a sweet spot with how the invasion, like how strong the invader is? Um, I think they're actually pretty close to it. In all fairness, I think they're very close. Um, it's it's hard for me because I'm not a good PvP player to get past this very initial part of the Ace of Spades quest. But that aside, when you look at it, when you step back and look at the whole picture, it's pretty solid. Like overall, the way that the game mechanics work, it's pretty solid. Uh, so that's I, I would say that's my my general thoughts. I haven't seen anything. Certainly, no major complaints or, or bitches about what's going on. 
there's still you can still do boss damp boss burn pretty hardcore if you really really set your team comp up but the interesting thing about that is that leaves you open those really strong boss burning kind of team composition me mechanisms and like using certain weapons and certain exotics combined with certain subclasses uh, while that's very powerful it actually opens up uh, some holes in your in your game when you have to deal with an invader or or with certain types of ads so overall there's some trade-offs and by the way just because you see somebody else burning their their primeval super fast and you, there's no reason to bitch about it because you can do the same thing if you want to and you get organized so that's it's kind of my general thought on that no i agree with that because i know a lot of the time we were bar watching um and kind of giving up before instead of just planting everything into our primeval yeah, it it definitely makes you think differently about the whole thing, and, and it's interesting that because of the way the mechanics are set up, and like you were saying, Jay, doing one thing kind of weakens you in another part, and you kind of have to have a full a full spectrum of what you're trying to cover, so you don't have too many weaknesses. Um, I could see them like I would agree the scheme mode is very well balanced. I could see them tweaking just even like a small little thing that would completely change the meta for like different variants. So like. One example that we kind of saw is that a lot of people, when they get to the burn phase of the primeval, they like to kind of back up into their initial spawn uh, lane because it's easier to deal with invaders during that phase and then snipe the boss. But they could very easily just say, hmm, now there's a, a protective dome over the primeval and you have to get up close to it. Completely changes the meta of what kind of guns you bring, what kind of supers you use, how you're going to handle that. And I think that if they can really get this game mode perfectly tuned, like you said, they're pretty damn close. They could just tweak little tiny things and completely change, you know, the meta. So you might get one mechanic in one match and a different one in the other, and it could really change it up. And I think that they've got a really good platform here that can do a lot of cool stuff with. And that's why I think this um, expansion that's centered around the Drifter and Gambit coming out is going to be really, really cool. I think they're going to have enough time to kind of tune it. And then once that expansion comes out, they'll be ready to do some really cool stuff that we can look forward to. So you're right. That's you know, sniping or long long range gameplay is definitely you know a viable option. It's not it's not the, necessarily the 100 percent go to, but it's definitely a viable option. So best troll I've seen yet. Uh, well, I saw two trolls, both involved a void titan. One uh, guy came in just before the primeval, and he dropped his ward of dawn. Put the bubble up over the bank. That was fucking phenomenal. Uh, and it was hilarious. The second one was a variation. So one of the new, like the new Void um, uh, void Titan skill tree basically can do a Reinhardt shield from Overwatch. A big mobile shield looks very much, works very much like Reinhardt's shield does. Uh, it, it also has an added bonus that when you shoot through it, you know, a good guy is shooting through that shield. It actually empowers your shots. Uh, so very, very useful, and I guarantee you that in the raid is probably going to be baller, uh, even though not a lot of people like playing it because it's not, you know, it's got relatively limited effectiveness in, in certain open-world activities, particularly when you don't have teammates with you. But in the raid, I think that thing's going to kill it. But here's what this dude did. Uh, the, our, our team kind of backed off, and we were kind of doing the shoot from far, kill the envoys, kill the ads. You know, they had dropped a bunch of blockers. There were several blockers mixed in with the, the ads that spawned with the, the primeval. And we were doing some work. It was okay. And then, you know, hey, you got an invader coming in warning. Here's what this dude did. Jumps up there with the Reinhardt shield, and he's 
basically bobbing and weaving with with his Reinhardt shield between the primeval and us. Very effective. Like he wasn't going after to kill us. He was just holding off the primeval for a little bit, holding off our burn rate. And then that made us break, go forward, which then suddenly all of the ads that we hadn't been killing that were to our flank, and there are snipers galore, uh, there's hobgoblins everywhere, you know, all kind of shit like that. They just went to town on our ass. So I would not certainly advocate that, that type of a move all the time, but periodically you could throw like a change up, if you will, and it will really break some shit up. Uh, that, which I thought was very, you know, very innovative on that player's part. I mean, he wasn't like a six, fish six, four, two, seven, but it, it was pretty innovative. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with. It. I, I hadn't seen, I had heard of the Word of Dawn over the the bank, and that's that's pretty awesome because if you haven't played Crucible and someone puts up a Word of Dawn, do not go into the bubble. You will get your ass kicked every single time. It's very strong now, um, but the whole Reinhardt shield that's that's actually pretty clever. I mean, using <laughs> in a way to defend the enemies from from the defenders is, is pretty cool. I, that's, I hadn't heard of that. That's pretty badass. Oh, yeah. Uh, totally forgot this. Found this out this, this afternoon. The uh, insurmountable skull fort exotic, yeah, that, like, recharges your fucking super because it's a melee. You guys are tracking that, right? Like, when you do the missile titan uh, and, you, and you do the, the or you can do the ground slam melee, which is like a shoulder charge from the air down, um that that exotic like refreshes that instantly so yeah it's a thing (laughs) oh geez yeah no that's some of the stuff you can do with titans like um like we we had tried the the shoulder tackle with the skull fort just in regular crucible it was kind of a little disgusting just like i think i went like on a 12 kill streak just without using a gun just ramming into people, but in Gambit, I can only imagine the kind of stuff you could do, particularly when you've got lots of ads to, to work with. You can get a rapid succession of kills. That's got to be crazy. But yeah, overall, Gambit's really good. Um, I'm really looking forward to playing it. Um, it's <laughs> I will say that Destiny 2 for a second has a ton of content, like more than you know what to do with, which is like the first for the series. Um, but yeah, Gambit I'm very interested in. Um, I do want to try to get the the Redrix Claymore in Crucible, but uh, that's that's going to be a, a long grind. Yeah, we'll get to that it's eventually. It's called the Broadsword now. It's the Redrix's Broadsword. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been playing with the, the Pulse Rifles, trying to kind of slowly grind that in the Crucible. But yeah, Gambit's really solid. Um, I, I, like you said, it, it's really close to being kind of really perfectly tuned. There's a few things that, that are kind of frustrating. We'll see if that changes or not. But overall, it's still a very enjoyable game mode. Um, so I'm, I'm, it's going to be good. Yeah, and total shout out to the Dreaming City. That's a huge space. And if you, if there's ever a doubt in your mind if a thing is a puzzle or need to be used somewhere else for some other activity anywhere in that entire space of the Dreaming City, the answer is yes. Holy <laughs> shit, there's a lot to do in there. Uh, Ando, by the way, is hard, hard as fuck. Uh, you will get your ass beat down if you just wander into a lost sector. Uh, by the way, shout out to Fallen uh, Dance Party Lost Sector. Uh, wow, the Dance Party Lost Sector. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and I'm and I'm not and I'm kind of not joking. It's definitely a Howard Hughes old western, uh, you know, envisioned by J.R. Tolkien sort of vibe job, and it looks beautiful. It's really awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's kind of what what got me is that you you go through the whole campaign for Forsaken, you you clear it out, you're like, okay, it's closure, that's cool. 
and the game goes, eh, just do this one more quest, just just one more quest, and it's part of the story. You go, okay, and you do the quest, and they're like, oh yeah, so here's this giant second area that's like the same size, if not larger, than the one you've been playing on this whole time, and they kind of set you up for what it's at, and then they just kind of go, okay, go for it. Not much explanation. It's very much a your character knows nothing about it and you as a player know nothing about it. It's very much go in, explore, try to find all the secrets that are hidden in there. And there is a million nooks and crannies in that place. Like just from kind of our initial walkthrough and just kind of taking a look at it to all the YouTube videos, people just finding new stuff like every day of some hidden in, in the dreaming city. It's very cool. It's, it's a very interesting take on how to do content of we're not going to tell you what the hell it is. Just go in and figure it out, you know, and I think that they're kind of testing the waters with that. And then they're doing that penumbra update, you know, down the line next year where it's like it's got a raid layer in it. And that's all we're telling you. You know, it, it's just it's it's a it's going to be a mystery and you can kind of figure it out once you get there. And I think that's awesome. Like, that's really, really cool. I'm looking forward to kind of spending a couple hours just wandering around and hopefully not dying in the dreaming city but just kind of exploring all of the the various places you can go it's it's a very cool thing and i hope they kind of keep going with that thread of true exploration where you've got a whole area you can look through and it's not just you know follow the quest marker to the next objective it's get in there and figure this out you know it's it's very cool it's kind of more of a hardcore old school exploration style but i like it and the last thing i kind of wanted to touch on real quick was just uh the quality of life updates. So, you know, Destiny has gone through a lot of iterations of trying to kind of make things, you know, run a little bit smoother, you know, kind of iron out some of the friction points that we've had. I got to say with this most recent one, it's really, really good. So the big one, kind of the, the big contender is the, the collections tab now in your menu. And shader management holy, still sucks. Holy shit. Yeah. It, game changer. Like before it's like, if you, yeah, you have the consumable shaders and you had to go like grind them out or you had to throw them away because you had too many of them. And if they were like an Eververse shader, you had to wait for it to come up on rotation before you could you know, buy them with bright dust. It was, it was kind of a pain in the ass. Now, every shader, every legendary weapon you've ever had, every exotic you've ever had, you go into the collections tab and if it doesn't have random rolls on it, you can basically just straight up buy a new one of a reasonable light level. So if you, you know accidentally broke down your you know year one uh iron banner assault rifle you want to use you can just go into the into the, the collections tab and just buy a new one um it's super nice if you want to buy like a specific shader because you, you know, you're one short or something you just go in you just pay some you know either bright dust or some legendary shards and some glimmer and you just buy it, it it's so nice it's so much cleaner um, I'm not terrified to break anything down now. I'm not, you know, as long as it's not a random rolled item, you can safely break it down now. If you think you'll need it again in the future, you can just get a new one. If you, you know, it, it's so much nicer. Um, it's very clean. The collections tab in general is nice because it kind of shows you if you are a collector, you know, hey, you, you, these are four more socks you don't have yet. You know, you kind of fill in the gray spots, you know. Um, it's good if you're kind of a completionist. It's just fantastic. Um, it makes things much easier. I, I can safely play around with different shaders and stuff and, and you know, not feel like I'm running a risk of, of losing one because I replaced the piece of gear and now I don't get that shader back. I got to grind out another one. It sucked before. 
much more approachable now. And I think it, it works really well with a lot of the changes they've made to kind of the, the core loop of how, you know, gear works and that sort of thing. Yeah. Overall, uh, quality of life updates, massive, uh, massive, you know, improvement, uh, Shader management is still kind of a pain in the ass. You can delete five at a time, but Jesus, like just for the love of God, just let me have a slider and delete that shit or something. Uh, yeah. That would be nice. Uh, or just some kind of different kind of sorting mechanism in there, I think would be kind of cool. Uh, so there, there's, there's a few little things they can do, but you know, overall it's relatively minor bitches so far. Nothing that's nothing crazy right now. Uh, I, I haven't heard anything that that's, still an outstanding piece that, that just absolutely must get taken care of. So overall, again, all the way around, I think it's safe to say bigger and better than Taken King. Now, I, I want to, before I slap the table on that one, I want to see the raid. Uh, if the raid is on par with, if it, with our current expectations of the game, this, this is, uh, you know, this is a massive, massive shot in the arm for Destiny. Yeah, no, I I would agree with you on that one. It's it's incredibly good. Um, I'm glad that I got back into the game and gave this one a shot. It was worth it um, so far, and I'm looking forward to trying the raid out. So I'm sure we'll probably approach this skin in a couple weeks, um, kind of discuss some of the lore once we've kind of dug into it a bit more. But I think overall, pretty good review of, of what to expect uh, from Destiny 2 Forsaken. Like I said, really solid. I think it was worth the money. If you are a fan of the game, this is definitely a large improvement over what they've been doing. And it shows a really good direction on where they will hopefully continue to take the game moving forward. So, uh, as we said right out of our uh, extended Destiny Remix version talk, I actually have a topic I would like to open for the group. What okay. do you guys think about Super Witcher? You guys know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Henry Cavill is playing the Witcher. Not sure if that came through. Your audio is really messed up, man. You're, you're... Yeah, Henry Cavill is signed on Geralt the Witcher. Oh, so he's, no. he's playing Geralt from the Witcher in the, the series? Yep. Oh, that's interesting. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> Are there pictures released yet? Or is it just no, no, he's, on paper? He's, they haven't started filming his shit yet, I don't think. they. Uh, but he's... Be- He's been signed and announced and press released as the as the, as the Witcher. Hmm. That's that's cool. Is is this going to be a Netflix series or is it a movie or? Yes, or... it's a Netflix hmm. series. Hey. Will hey. they be including his mustache? No, but time? he's going to look crazy with white hair. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to see that before I buy it. Like I I can see how it would work, but I'll have to I'll have to see how it actually turns out. What? Well, let me put it this way: I'm amazed that they got somebody that's operating at his level to play a video game protagonist on Netflix. Uh, well, you see, here's the thing. Netflix is pledged to spend like $11 billion this year on making new content. Like they're making, they're, they're, they're planning on spending vastly more money making TV shows than they actually make with Netflix. So, I, I mean, they can afford anything. They just, they'll throw money at anything and everything right now. That's that's Netflix for you. Is CD Projekt Red involved with the production of this? Yes. Like, like actually involved, not just like tangentially involved. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't know that it's a very... I, I'm not sure how tight of a link it is. I think they... 
my understanding is they brought them on to do a lot of the story consulting uh, and, you know, like a lot of the you know, kind of creative building around it. But I don't know that they're like deeply in bed with it, so to speak. Gotcha. Well, we'll have to see. Is there an ETA when that's coming out or are they still like really early production? Yeah, it says like 2019, no. but that seems like it's really, really loose. So we'll, we'll have to see. Um, no, that should be interesting. Uh, this, I'm reading this. It looks like it's going to suggest a 2020. So maybe the late part of 2019 at the earliest. Yeah, I was I was kind of tracking towards the like the Q1 2020 time frame, which is kind of you know, about what you're talking about. So more or less you know, this time and, and on next year. Sound about right? Yeah, we'll have to see. I'm not sure. Apparently the pilot script is already complete. So I wonder when they'll start or if they're going to film that. Uh, like, I guess as soon as they get everybody cast, I wonder how long that'll take. Yeah, because it looks like they're still they're still trying to cast like Siri and and whatnot. Yeah, that's pretty cool. No, I'll keep an eye on that one. I'm I am not a player of The Witcher. I haven't, I haven't tried it before, but uh, I know that's a sin. Uh, but uh, I know it's a very popular and very well done game. So I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing how the uh, the adaptation comes out. Because God, eventually we've got to get a good video game adaptation for something, right? Like it's got to happen eventually, right? Hopefully, right, at some point. All right, so the last thing I had that I wanted to move on real quick, won't take too long on it, is the Battlefield 5 open beta. Livy and I gave it a shot earlier today and a little bit yesterday. Um, so I'm not a huge Battlefield fan to begin with. I've never actually owned any of the games, but I have played, God, I think the betas for 3, 4, 1, and now 5. Um can't say I'm still convinced. It's it's definitely a different style of game, and this is probably obvious for people who've played it before. But you know where, and I'll make a comparison to Destiny's PvP. Like in Destiny, when you you run up into somebody in PvP, you both kind of have this moment where you're kind of dancing around, you're jumping, you're you have like a bit of an actual duel. In Battlefield Five, it's like that never happens because you die so fast to everything that it's basically every kill I got. The guy wasn't even looking at me because it takes three bullets to kill most people. Um, and likewise, I died to people I had no idea were there. Um, that's probably more accurate in terms of realism that you're not going to be able to take, you know, 20, 30 bullets before you go down. Um, but it does definitely change the way you play. It's much slower, much more careful, methodical, and it's less about how well you can aim and more about kind of your positioning and your tactics and your, your reflexes when you do spot someone to make sure that you, you know, start shooting before they, they, you know, turn around. So it, it's, it's very short time to kill. It's definitely not my style of game. I got pretty frustrated with it, but that doesn't mean it's not good. I imagine that if you like that style, it seemed well-produced. Um, overall, I, I think it was good production quality. Um, again, it's, it's, it's not bad. Um, it's not what I would buy. I, the only really issues I saw, and I was playing on a PS4, standard PS4, um, there was a lot of texture popping and model popping. Um, sometimes stuff just wouldn't load for a while. Um, and it was, it was kind of immersion breaking. Wasn't a huge fan of that, but it's console. So I, you know, jokes aside, it's, it's kind of what you might expect in some cases. Um, but I will say... Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Join well, the not... PC Master Race. <laughs> um, Join I will it. say that the ragdoll animations you die are hilariously glitchy. Like I've, I, I took like a grenade to like my feet, right, and I rocketed out of a window, and like I did like if you imagine like the perfect like NFL spiral, like you know going like thirty yard spiral, but attached like two arms and two legs, just swirling as I went flying through the air, and it's glitching all over the place. Um, it was really funny. But it looked absolutely ridiculous. So the ragdolls are very, very glitchy, and there's some weird shit that happens you'll be seeing when you give the beta a shot. Um, but overall, the production quality was was pretty high. Um, it was, you know, some visual glitches, but I didn't notice any gameplay issues or that sort of thing. So it, it was it was very well made, just not the kind of game for me. Yeah, I think that says it all. Besides the revives, I know that'll probably be fixed by the time the real game comes. <laughs> well, but instead of reviving, you just take their stuff and walk away. I know that's not how it's supposed yeah, to work. Yeah, that, that was an issue but... where the button yeah. you use to loot someone's gun and you can loot downed allies' guns is the same button you use to revive them. So you'll go down, someone will revive you, and most certainly when you get back up, you'll be holding the person's gun that revived you because they took yours in the process of reviving you, which is really shitty when you're expecting to have like an LMG and you get like a bolt-action rifle instead. Um, there's probably some remapping of the controls they can do with that, or maybe you can do as a player, but it happened consistently, and it was kind of a pain in the ass because it was like, well, shit, I don't I don't want a rifle. I'm, I'm like, this isn't what I'm trying to do with this character. So, yeah, that was a pain. Um, the one other thing I wanted to mention that was kind of interesting is that on the PC version of the game, there is a text chat, and they have implemented a system to censor certain words from the text chat with the intention of trying to curb toxicity between players. Um, the thing is, is that this game is published by EA, mind you. Um, the word DLC is currently being censored by their in-game text chat as something that, you know, I guess is a problem. They've come out and said that's not their intention, that's not what they meant to do, but I thought it was kind of hilarious that they, they won't even let you talk about DLC because, you know, that's a, it's a bit of a, a rough point with EA, so it was kind of funny. You actually can't talk about DLC, but the word free has to come in front of it. <laughs> then it's not blocked. <laughs> Fucking amazing. But yeah, no, it was it was it was like said, interesting. It was well made. I, I just wanted to give it a shot to see if I liked it more than Battlefield One when I tried it. Can't say it's 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 for me. It, it likely this style of, of FPS is just not what I would like. But I would be curious to have bait give it a shot um, before the beta ends and kind of let us know next week what you think. Because I know you're more of a more of a fan of the series than I am. Uh, I am playing it right now. Uh, it, my download just finished, so. Um... The HUD looks really nice. Um, yeah, it looks good. I'll talk about it on Sunday. All right, anything else before we wrap this in for shout-outs, guys? All right, to get to know. So my shout-out goes to a fallen comrade named Tyler Schultz. So Tyler, he contacted Insomniac Games. This is the company that recently made uh, the most recent Spider-Man game. It's doing quite well. And he said, hey, guys, I want to propose to my girlfriend. Can you help me out? And they said, sure, we can do something for you. We'll put something in the game so you can propose to your girlfriend in the game. That'll be cool. He said, but the game's not coming out till September. Can you wait till then? And the guy said, yeah, no problem. Uh, we just had our five-year anniversary, so, you know, we'll, we'll be good. You know, I, I don't expect she'll be bailing ship now, uh, between now and September. Um, well, she did. So, uh 
<laughs> she broke up with him recently. Um, but the Easter egg, which was like a marry me Maggie signboard in the game, which was intended for him to use to propose to his girlfriend is still in there. So you can find it in the game, but unfortunately uh, she broke up with him right before the game came out to make matters worse. She not only broke up with him, she got together with his brother instead. So he's like, well, thanks guys. Um, I don't need it anymore, I guess. And they're like, do you want us to remove it? He's like, no, maybe someone else can use it, but yeah. Oh, oh, his brother can use it. Oh, 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 oh shit. <laughs> That's so messed up. So, yeah. My shout out goes to Tyler Schultz because he got really screwed over in this whole deal. But uh, if you do have the new Spider Man game, you can go see the failed marriage proposal. Like, I want to know, like, does, does his ex all, now oh, know about it? Maybe, like, maybe not. I, I want that part of the story. I want that the part where she realizes that that has has transpired now. I, I want an update. Please right, find out and give me an update. Especially if they're reasoning that it's never Yeah, no. It's, that's like seriously messed up stuff. I feel for the guy. It's just tragic. So that's my shout out. Zell, you're up, man. I, 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 I don't have anything. I, I'm sorry. I, sh- I brought myself this week at least for once. Shout out to Zell's fishing suit from Black Desert Online, which is totally pay to win. Hey, I do not have a Black Desert fishing <laughs> suit, okay? I may have like a ton of spaceships in Star Citizen, but I do not have a $30 fishing suit. I am very specific on that. You're right. You had the $30 maid suit. I moved that we uh, Zell with fish, ex- fish Sticks 427 on the podcast. <laughs> You can tell. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> All right, Nate, you're up, man. Uh, yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to. Um, oh shit! I don't. I don't. I don't think I had a shout out this week. Um, well, I mean, nothing exciting happened. School happened. So shout out to college, I guess. This is the part in everyone's life when they go to college and it just breaks their spirit, and that's all they can know is college. Soon he'll be able to, he'll this... be able to do a shout out in French, right? Uh. Yeah, All sure. Right. It's terrible. French is a terrible language. All right, Livy, you're up. I can't even talk anything. My shout out, unfortunately, I mean, uh, you know, not going back to the acquisition stuff, my shout out really goes to all the people that were so quick on making memes to brighten the day of some people. And some were terrible, but some were just kind of like helped, I think, some people kind of get over it. Not that serious. Yeah, the, uh, the the Eve memes that came out with like the Hello Kitty like Amar Titan um, skin that was that was good stuff. All right, Fate didn't. <laughs> didn't seem to like it. But... That was like yeah. oh, uh, Kestrel, Hello sorry. Kitty Kestrel for the record. Yeah. That was yeah. not a space yeah. to get it right. All right, Jay, you're up. Uh, shout out to Todd Habercorn, the uh, voice of the Drifter, the best Matthew McConaughey impression I've heard in a long time. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to more of that. So uh, we'll hop on that. But uh, all right, guys, thanks for joining us on the show today. Uh, if you want to be on the show, you have any topics, go to biomass.com, hit on the contact tab, and you can give us a ring. We'll get you set up. That being said, have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Three.